Hello and welcome to WA Real. I'm Bryn Edwards, your host, and today my very first guest, I'm very pleased to introduce Paul Newsom, who uh, is des- describes himself as the world's most pass- passionate swim coach. <laughs> He's the uh, head coach and founder of Swim Smooth, which is a swimming company that uh, provides coaching and products and training products for all levels of swimmers. Um, outside of Swim Smooth, his own swimming accolades are nothing to be sneered at, having completed the channel in 2011, uh, having won the round, round Manhattan swim in 2013, and has completed four solos. Uh, outside of swimming, he's uh, married to Michelle. It's coming up to 10 years, is that Yeah, correct? it is actually, yeah. Yeah, and I noticed on uh, social media recently, you were saying you were punching well above your weight. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes. And you also have two kids. Two kids, Jackson Paul, and Isla. Yeah. welcome to the show. Thanks and for having me. Thank you for being my first guest. Much appreciated. So uh, I can tell by your accent that you're you're not a, you're not a local I'm like not. myself. You're no. from England, originally from East Yorkshire, Bridlington. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So uh, when when did you first come to Western Australia, and what was it that brought you in here? Yeah, good good question. I arrived in January two thousand and two, uh, and was actually backpacking around the world when I first arrived here, and decided you know I was going to go and visit Australia, somewhere I'd always wanted to be. And I always wanted to go. And after six months of traveling through Southeast Asia, you know, I arrived here with the long hair, oh, yeah. the big beard, the oh, hippie thing. Yeah, the whole, the whole <laughs> hippie thing uh, with my backpack, you know, smelling a bit musty and all that sort of stuff. And I just arrived in Perth. And I know it sounds a little bit cliche and stuff, but when I first arrived in Perth, I went to, I was staying in the backpackers in Northbridge and I walked up to Kings Park and I just overlooked the city and just saw all these cycle pathways. That was my first recollection or memory yeah. of, of Perth was all these cycle pathways. I thought, where do they all go? It looks exciting. Everyone's riding bikes. <laughs> Everyone looks fit and healthy. Yeah. The sunshine was out. It was January sort of thing, you know. So it was um, it was all quite, uh, quite, quite amazing to be here. And I was only supposed to be here for um, a couple of weeks and then we're going to move on to um, up north, so yeah. like Broome and then across to the east coast and go down the east coast and then over to New Zealand. Then I was supposed to go on to North America and then South America. I've still got the tickets in my backpack. Oh, excellent. Um, which have long You've since expired. Yeah, I've still got the backpack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, long since expired now, 15 years ago. And um, I just ended up staying here. I. Yeah. I didn't leave Perth. I, oh, right. you know, and I just it was just fantastic, and I got introduced to the community very quickly, which was interesting because I'd spent six months traveling through uh, Southeast Asia, and I was very much a tourist, yeah. never really integrating, if you like, within the community. And yet, all of a sudden, somebody put me in touch with somebody else who then knew somebody else, and then I was joining a triathlon club, and the triathlon club, the yeah. coach was about to leave, and they were looking for somebody else, and I'd just finished sports and exercise science back over in the UK, and I had a big passion for coaching. Yeah. And I thought, you know, this is fantastic, I'm going to apply for this job. So to apply for the job, I had to fly over to New Zealand, go and get a, a visa to come back, a one-year working visa. Yeah. Um, I stayed here for a year, loved it so much. They employed me for another three years on a uh, sponsorship visa. And, um, you know, c'est la vie. Met Michelle cool. during that period. And, uh, All right. And now I'm Did a, you go for the long hair and the mustache? Well, by that point, I'd actually <laughs> chopped it off a little bit at least. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little bit more clean-shaven by that point as well. Um, but, you know, I, you know, over the years, I think 2010, I became a bona fide Australian citizen. Yep, likewise. Uh, yeah, which is, which is a great... Uh, a great thing it felt like a real achievement to, to get to that point and um yeah i love it yeah you know, now i've got two kids uh jackson who's eight and isla who's five 
and they um yeah obviously this is their home for them and stuff but just having such a great area to bring up kids and stuff everyone talks about how perth is fantastic for families and you yeah. know shh, don't tell the secret don't let too many exactly. people know yeah. about it type of thing but it is a fantastic place to be and um you know wouldn't change it for the world yeah it's certainly why i came here to be a parent yeah yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely you know and yes. um yeah, we, we're lucky. We get to travel. Uh, we get to go back to England, which is where my family still lives. My yep. dad's in York and my mum's in North Wales. And Michelle's family are all from Canada. So oh, right. we got married in Montreal nearly, like you say, t- nearly 10 years ago, yeah. amazingly. And uh, yeah, we got married in Montreal. Her family now live in um, in Ontario. So, you know, it's a little bit like United Nations. And it's funny, yeah. actually, because my business partner, Adam, in Swim Smooth, he... Um, he often calls up and he's the godparent to both my kids and uh, he often calls up and he, he, the, the kids will come and say, hi, Uncle Adam, on Skype and then they'll disappear and he go, he'll say to me, gee, they really sound Australian, don't they? Yeah. I was like, yeah, because they are Australian. <laughs> <laughs> they were born here. That's right. They are Australian. So I've got a funny accent, but, uh, but they're very much Australians, yeah. Super stuff. Mm. So obviously uh, swimming is a big part of your life. Yes, just talk me through your relationship with swimming in terms of when you started mm. and how your relationships sort of changed over the years. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember I was probably about seven years of age and there were some swimming lessons on at the local swimming pool in Bridlington in East Yorkshire on the on the coast there. And my mum said, I want you to go and do these swimming lessons. And I remember the first one, I ended up vomiting in the pool. I absolutely <laughs> hated it, you know. And right. somehow she Something managed drinking it. Yeah, yeah, just swallowing yeah. the water and not being very good. And, um, you know, there's a lot of English kids and stuff don't really have that much exposure to swimming, at least not yeah. back in those days. Now it's a completely different story, of course. Britain's doing great with swimming. But, um, you know, that first session, she somehow managed to get me back. And my mum's like my number one supporter. She she actually works for me now. So oh, she, right. we call her Mother Smooth. So she runs a, <laughs> a warehouse up in North Wales where we ship off all our DVDs and books and uh, yeah. training products and stuff like that. And she very much runs the show up there. So that sort of support right from the early days from my mum, taking me out to, um, to the training sessions and uh, then clubs and stuff, you know. I started off with Bridlington Swimming Club and... By the time I was about 11 or 12, I was starting to take it a little bit more seriously and wanted mm. to get a little bit better. I heard that there was a, um, a swimming coach, a new swimming coach being put in place in Hull, which is about 30 miles away or 45 k's or something like that, um, down the road. Yeah. And so my mum would take me three or four times a week in the evening. So she would finish a full day at work, yeah. jump in the car, no food or anything like that. I'd, I'd been looked after my grandparents. They would put me in the, uh, give me some food. And we'd drive down the coast and we'd, um, you know, so it's an hour drive thereabouts in traffic and stuff. And she would just sit there and just watch me for two hours whilst the coach took me through the session and then drive back. And that was her evening, three or four nights a week. So that level of commitment was just incredible. I'll never, ever be able to sort of repay her for that because that is where the passion came from, is just from my mum's support and putting me through that. And, you know, and I think with the, what also probably sort of sparked my interest at that point was this coach in Bridlington Swimming Club was great. It was a great introduction to swimming for me, but it's very much an amateur swimming club. Hull Olympic, uh, who I went to swim with, had um, they just introduced a, a new coach, and he was on a salary. And I heard his sa- everyone was talking about how much his salary was. Oh right, and we're talking about you know how much it was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we, we're talking we're talking about the early nineties here, nineteen ninety, and this guy had been given a salary of twenty four thousand pounds as a swimming coach. That's tight, and that was huge. It, you yeah. know, that was massive, and it was like ah. It might be possible to make a living from doing something that I'm already enjoying doing. Really? So that was like the, the seed That's that was planted. It was yeah. like saying, okay, well, you know, 
not everybody earns money from coaching. Some people do it for voluntary voluntary purposes, yeah. and that's very commendable as well, sort of thing. But if I was that passionate about it and wanted to follow that pursuit, yeah. it would be possible. It could be possible to make a living from it and do well. And this guy was hugely passionate. Unfortunately, he passed away just about eighteen months ago, right. uh, which is a bit of a bit of a shock because um, he wasn't that old. But he was super. Mm. professional in what he did you know he knew all the all the science behind what he was doing and um even though i wasn't i was definitely not one of his best swimmers by any stretch of the imagination you know i definitely soaked up all the passion that he put through and yeah. there've been other coaches who've really assisted and helped me along the way when i went to uh i decided that i was going to do follow the coaching pathway and become and go and do sports and exercise science at bath university and i had a couple of coaches there richard hobson and uh, my very close coach who was a guy called chris jones who just showed so much passion and energy to what mm. they're doing. And Chris was very, very much into the science side of things. And um, yeah. I was doing sports and exercise science. But the thing that frustrated me a little bit about the about the training course itself, or the, the degree course, I should say, was that it wasn't very applied. Right. We do all this science and stuff, and we write yeah. all these articles and cross all these T's and dot all these I's and stuff. But we never actually went, ventured out into the real world and did stuff and, did and stuff moved, and, moved and, and, yeah. and, 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 and helped athletes improve. And that's right. really why I went to university. Was I, It was a bit of a selfish thing. I, I had this idea that at some point I'll get into the coaching, but at that point I was very right. much into my own uh, triathlon pursuits and I was on the Great Britain triathlon team and things were going really well. So right. it was very much a selfish thing initially. It was how do I make myself better using yeah. sports science? But we never applied any of it. You know, right. and so it's I pretty abstract. Yeah, well, very much research based. You know, yeah. you, you have you you have sports science sports scientists who some of them live very much in the theoretical world, but then don't transition too well into the applied world. Yeah. And then you have brilliant applied sports scientists who really do um, embrace what I believe, at least, it is to do sports science and to be passionate about that type of thing. So. Um, yeah, we went, um, I, I did the four year course and my third year was a placement with British Triathlon as cool. their talent identification officer. Right. So that was quite a, uh, quite a cool experience because I, for a year I was let loose, you know, I had a very small salary that I was on during that period and I was let loose and I had to just go around the Southwest of England. So Cornwall, Devon, Bath, not, um, uh, Avon and Somerset, that type of area and try and identify some talented juniors who yeah. we could maybe bring to the ranks. And somebody said, you've got to get down to Blandford Dorham down in Dorset. You've got to go down there. There's a young kid. He's a really good swimmer. He's showing a bit of interest in about riding a bike. He's not so great with running, but we want to go and pick him up. Yeah. So I went down there, met this guy. His name is Harry. And Harry would have been, I would have been 19 at that point, 1920. He would have been 15. And he was very rough around the edges sort of thing, you know, hugely yeah. sort of loads of energy, a little bit outspoken, it's fair to say. And I ended up picking up and started coaching him. And, you know, thinking about where things have sort of come from with what I do, one of yeah. the big things that I've always believed in is about the individuality of swim coaching. So yes. historically, going back to that whole theoretical versus applied thing, theoretically, a lot of people believe that there is only one set model for the way somebody should swim. And that right. set model typically is something like Ian Thorpe, a brilliant yeah. swimmer, hugely tall guy, broad shoulders, long arms, big hands, big, hugely big feet, of course, yeah. sort of thing. <laughs> you know, and it, almost, dare I say, like, you yeah. know, a bit of a freak of nature. We're not all built. We're not all blessed with that. And, you know, you're looking at me here, Bryn. I'm not yeah. the tallest guy in the world sort of thing. But I've, I've done pretty well in swimming. But yes, I think, and, and triathlon and stuff. And I think 
certainly not not to Thorpe's levels by any stretch of the imagination but oh but he only covered a couple of lengths in a yeah that's right yeah. but, but pretty quick Manhattan, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right <laughs> but pretty quickly you know he covered those laps pretty quickly but anyway I guess the point that I'm trying to say is that you know I, I've always had this belief that swimming needs to be an individual pursuit you yes. know in terms of not in terms of the like a solo swim but in terms of making sure that you've found the right stroke for you yeah. and that your coach embraces that as opposed to trying to fundamentally change it and I got my first big lesson in in coaching when I started coaching Harry you know I yeah. was 19 years of age still in university all these ideas buzzing around in my head lots of influence from you know the likes of Thorpey and Grant Hackett and those sort of things and I, I saw this guy and he was really rough around the edges and I thought, he's doing it all wrong. And still to this day, people say, he's doing it all wrong. It'd be so much better if he smoothed out his stroke and he's yeah. got this hugely high turnover and straight arm recovery. And so I tried to change him. I did the wrong thing okay. by him all initially. Right. I tried to change him. I tried to make him look like Ian Thorpe. And, and it didn't work. He was getting slower. And, you know, there's a transition period. There's always a transition period mm. where if you, if you try to... Um, if you try something new, it's going to take a bit of time to, to embrace and come yeah. on board. But it just wasn't working. So I thought, there's something wrong with this. So I, uh, then I went back and thought, well, how about if we just go back to what he was doing well and just try and embrace what he's doing well? And embrace who he is. And and embrace who he is and how he's built and all these sort of His things. You know? and, yeah. Exactly right. Exactly. So, you know, that was very much the, I guess, in I didn't know it at that point, but it was very much the birth of this model that we've got, which is called swim types, yeah. where we've identified six different types of swimmer based essentially on what's holding him back. Now, Harry is very much what we now know as a quintessential swinger. Yes. Now, swingers don't look particularly pretty in the pool. If you've watched recently, if anybody's listening and watched the recent World um, World Championships in, in, in Hungary, uh, there's a guy currently on the circuit called Gregorio Palatrini. Yeah. And Gregor Palatrini is the Olympic champion for men's 1500 freestyle in the pool and also now the world champion. Yeah. So anyway, during this particular event, you've got the British commentary team who includes a guy called Mark Foster. Now, Mark Foster previously held the world record for 50 meters butterfly and yeah. was a previous training partner of mine, or rather yeah. I was a previous training partner of his. Yeah. And um, so anyway, the commentary team's going. It's Mark Foster and one of my favorite um, swimmers, um, Rebecca Adlington, double yeah. Olympic gold medalist. And they're chit-chatting away. And Mark's saying, look at this guy, Gregorio Palatrini. He's taking 390 strokes more than the guy who's right up on his shoulder. You know, he's not swimming anywhere near as efficiently. He can't be doing because he looks like he's just turning his arms over. He's never going to survive. Yeah. And I'm thinking, hang on. This guy has already won the Olympic Games. Yeah. Something that he's doing must, must be, be right. right. You know, yeah. <laughs> it, it must must be right. Yeah. So my very much my belief is that you know swimmers like that are succeeding because of their stroke, not despite it. Yeah. That they've found and they've been embraced by their coaches and helped them with that. Have and you, I, I, sorry, have you gone through anything similar with your own swimming? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, as a as a young kid, I would have been taught to swim with a really long stroke and this almost catch up style with a yeah. strong leg kick. And as I mentioned there, you know, I'm five foot 10, you know, I, when I was racing triathlon, I'd have been down in the low 60 kilos and yep. about low seventies now. So I'm not a big, powerful unit or anything like that. And yeah, I did okay as a swimmer, but it wasn't until I sort of started to see these trends and thinking, oh, maybe I can adapt and modify a little bit. You know, we've got a, um, a very famous swimmer here in Perth who's one of my mentors, Shelley Taylor-Smith, seven-time yes. world marathon swimming champion. And when we filmed Shelley in 2010 for our coaching uh, courses and stuff, the f I'll never forget her saying, she says, why do you want to film my stroke? It's not very good. I said, 
what do you mean it's not very good? It must be pretty good if you've won seven world marathon championships yeah. and won this Manhattan swim five times five. in a row and held the world record for it. Oh, but everyone's always said it's not very good. And I haven't got a very good kick. Don't look at my kick. And as it happens, when we're filming her, her kick is just unbelievably good. It's like a two, it's a, what we call a two beat leg kick. Yeah. It flows perfectly with the stroke. It's perfectly balanced and great for open water swimming for the sort of distances that she was doing. And, you know, rather than her coach in the old days trying to change her, yeah. he just embraced it. But a lot of people try to change because we have this sort of worldview that everybody needs to look the same. And we can all appreciate the aesthetics of somebody like Ian Thorpe. And I don't get me wrong, I love Ian Thorpe. He's fantastic, yeah. a huge hero of mine. But not everyone's built to, to swim like that. And, you know, going back to the World Championships, Mark Foster's saying, he's taken 390 more strokes. And he says, the other guy is more efficient. And then he says, he's more efficient, but he's working harder. Um, how and that I, how's that work exactly yeah. right you know so it, it, it sort of I think one of the challenges we've had I've been running Swim Smooth now for 13 years mm. and we've certainly in the initial years and stuff we fought a very much an uphill battle because nobody yeah. believed in this idea of, of swim types nobody yeah. believed in challenging the convention that you shouldn't necessarily in, encourage everybody to swim with the longest possible stroke that they could and, and it was a bit of an uphill battle but just in the last couple of years the tide has been turning and right. people are starting to realise that, hey, if Gregorio Palatrini is the Olympic champion and world record holder, uh, sorry, world champion in the 1500 freestyle and this young kid on the block, Adam Peaty from the UK, brilliant oh. breaststroker, amazing. Yeah. And the commentary team in the Olympics were also saying about him, he's, you know, his stroke's too short, his stroke rate's too quick, he's headbutting yeah. the water up and down, he looks awful. And he's smashing world he's records. He's smashing world records. <laughs> yeah. And so come Tokyo yeah. in 2020, everybody's going to be embracing Adam Peaty's stroke. Yeah. In fact, with the kids that I work with, you know, we call it the Adam Peaty headbutt. He headbutts yeah. the water. His stroke rate is, yeah. uh, is a lot quicker than anybody else. He's, he's got the shortest stroke of everybody in the Olympic final, but he's the fastest guy. Yeah. So by using models like that, and I'm not saying that, you know, the way he swims or the way Gregorio Palatrini swims yeah. is the way that Ian Thorpe should have swim, far from it. But sort of trying to give uh, credit where credit's due yeah. to the people who are sort of thinking a little bit outside of the box. And I wonder uh, how many other sports there are where, you know, like let's take golf, tennis, things like that, where there's the standard smooth swing of like Tiger Woods or someone like that. And everyone's trying to emulate that, but yeah. not necessarily going with what they've got. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm so sort of monosyllabilic when it comes to sports in the sense that I'm so <laughs> so focused. focused on swimming. I don't know too much about the other sports. In fact, if I ever picked up a golf club, it, watch yeah. out. You know, it, yes. could be, it could be a dangerous affair. But um, yeah, I mean, quite possibly, you know, one yeah. of the things that we've been able to do with our, with our swim type system, I, I first started to really put pen to paper in 2008. I was going to ask you, what was the sort yeah. of catalyst for you to start and well, I th to think there's something here now? I think the original catalyst was working with Harry and just sort of thinking, well, it's not what I'm trying to do with him is not working. Stuff mm. that I do it's with others. Times swimming. are going down. Yeah, exactly right. It's times are getting, getting slower, not quicker. So that was the first thing, but I didn't really think too much about it. I just thought, well, I'm coaching it. I'm one-to-one -one with this guy. Mm. I'm coaching him as an individual. But... When I set up Swim Smooth in 2004, I was preaching this whole idea that, you know, you've got to have, you've got to look at the stroke and you've got to, you basically got to coach the swimmer, not coach the stroke, is my belief. That's yeah. our little saying, basically, coach the, you know, and, um, I coach. message for life in that. Oh, it is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, you know, coaching, coaching, looking at the swimmer and saying, you know, what is it that this person needs? irrespective of what some of the theory might say. Yes. And so that was 2004. And 
I was on these chat forums and trying to put this advice across to people and people were starting to say to me, hey, can I become a swim smooth coach? Can I follow what you're, you're doing? doing. Um, and we had a DVD out, you know, and showing the technique and drills and stuff that you yeah. could do to improve. But I always struggled with the idea of how, if if the rest of the world's thinking in black and white, the stroke is either like this or it's like that. that. There's nothing in between. Yes. How do I actually systemize the gray space yeah. in between to sort of recognize the difference in people? Because you you got to you got to drill that down and articulate it in order to um, go against the huge grain, huge grain, huge grain, huge grain of um, you know standard like S shape and the keyhole and all, all of that, that sort of stuff. Which um, all yeah. of that sort of stuff, you know. And we're not we're not reinventing the stroke. And you know, swim types. We we often get feedback from people. You know, since we released it back in 2010, saying, "Ah, oh, I yeah, I totally recognise that. That's how I sort of coach." And we say, "Yeah, that's great. That's fantastic." But what mm. we the challenge was to actually make it into a system whereby I could get you know 10 12 yeah. 15 coaches over from the eastern states or from the us we've got 40 coaches worldwide now yeah and they come up and they train up with me and i have to have like some sort of system to sort of say look if so-and-so is swimming like this what is the pathway for them to improve yeah and if you have somebody else here who's completely different what is the pathway for them to improve so yeah. that was the the birth if you like of Indeed. of swim types in what was the catalyst for that I think you said I, Harry. But yeah, Harry. There's been a point where there was a. You, you must have thought. I mean, um, what what were you doing before you you started Swim Smooth in earnest? So you must be doing doing something and thought, oh, I'm just not happy with this, or I'm not. Absolutely, I think I think 2004. The sort of uh, friction that I was feeling, I guess, was that I. So it's almost like internal friction. Oh yeah, totally. And I still live with that friction every day of my life. Sort of thing, you know. How can I make it better? How can we make the world swim better? Type of thing and. You know, 2000, 2004 was when I released it. And I, I still remember to this day, my mum and uh, stepdad were visiting from uh, from the UK. And they um, we went for a coffee down in Rockingham. still remember exactly where we sat. And they said, so, you know, how's this swim coaching going for you? And I said, well, I'm getting paid $125 a week. I'm working full time. This is at, 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 up at Challenge Stadium. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, no, no disrespect to the club and stuff. It gave me a foot into what I was doing. And, yeah. you know, without that sort of exposure... You know, Perth's a fantastic place to have exposure to a huge number of swimmers who aren't necessarily racing. And swimming pools. And swimming pools, exactly yes. right. 25, 50 metre pools, public 50 metre pools and stuff. You know, everywhere. It was like, you know, it was like Nirvana for me, sort of walking into this this brilliant place and, and, and having that and seeing this massive number of people. And, and when in 2004, my parents came over, they said, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to keep doing this? I said, well, I've had this idea. I want, I want, to, I want to put this thing forward. But it's going to cost a bit of money. And I said, okay. And you can sort of see them leaning in a little bit. And I said, I, I've had this idea that I want to create a DVD to show people how to utilize the drills, which I've been developing over the yeah. last three or four years here in Perth, and actually be able to help them improve their efficiency. Now, it didn't seem like such a big, grandiose thing at the time, because essentially all I was trying to do was actually provide a video um, of, let's say, a collection of 30 different drills yeah. to actually be able to share with the people in the club to sort of say, hey, you know that funny drill that keeps talking about, broken arrow or what have yes. you, or this sculling drill underneath the water? Sit down for 30 minutes before you come for a swim and just watch these these drills. You'll know how to do it a little yeah. bit better. And you'll understand why. You'll understand why, most yeah. important. And that was, that was really what it was about. It was about educating people. Was, you know, I, I remember as a kid doing, the coach would often say to us, okay, choice drill. And all of us would look blankly at each other going, we only know one drill, and that was catch-up. So we all just did catch-up. We didn't know why we were doing catch-up. Yeah. And as it turns out, catch-up's not a very good drill for, no. for the efficiency of your stroke anyway. Yeah. But that's all we knew. So 
you know, I said to my parents, I said, I want to set up this DVD. And I, funnily enough, I had this idea that I, I came up with um, three different names. It was Swim Smooth, as we know it now, Swim Clean and Swim Fresh. And it was all, <laughs> the other two sound really naff. Yeah, I think I picked the winner. The other two sound <laughs> naff. But the idea behind that was I'd, I'd seen this... Um, uh, laundry detergent it's called Radiant over here in, in Australia I had this pack and I thought wouldn't it be cool if I the whole idea was that I was going to clean up somebody's stroke and the DVD was going to help you clean up your stroke okay. so there's like three different stages like the wash and clean and, and polish yes. and all that stuff and polish and wax and stuff and anyway so I said to my parents like, I want to do this it's going to mm. cost me I've found a company here in Perth who do um, DVDs and videos and stuff and it's going to cost me $4,000. And they said, right, we'll spot you that money. And I was like, really? Nice That's one. fantastic. <laughs> awesome. You know, because I certainly wasn't earning $4,000 yes. on my on my coaching. So they spotted me and I hired this company. And it, it, it's funny because some of the projects that we've done since, some of the bigger projects have taken yeah. literally years to develop. You know, yes. the, we've got an online coaching system now called the Swim Smooth Guru, yeah. which is basically the new age version of, of this DVD yeah. but it sort of guides you and coaches in you know we've been working on developing that for four and a half years right. whereas the DVDs we're able to, I was able to film it all edit it all put it all together within about three months and have yeah. a saleable product which smash it, you know, smash it out you know and get it out there and stuff yeah. and you know they talk about these like lean startups and all that that yes. was very much the, the leanest of yeah. all startups really and um, we, we launched that in December of 2014. My visa in Perth was expiring in May 2000, um, 2015, so five or six months later. So me and Michelle, we just hooked up at that point and I said, right, let's go traveling around the world. Then I'll show you, I'll show you England. You can show yeah. me Canada and we'll try and make our way around the world selling these DVDs and getting yeah. the word out about Excellent. what I'm trying to do with Swim Smooth. So we landed in the UK and my mum and stepdad again, very, very uh, grateful to them. They bought me a, Fiat, I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, TV show Max and Paddy. Yes. Um, so they drive around this 1990 Fiat Ducato uh, camper van <laughs> and we, they sourced exactly the same camper van for us. It was like Excellent. a bit run down and stuff. We put all these big Swim Smooth stickers all over it, you know, no one had ever heard of Swim Smooth at that point. And um, we drove around following the Tour de France. I figured that if I put swimsmooth.com on the roof, we might get a helicopter fly Excellent. over the top and be able to pick it up. Yes. Um, so we had this... Early flair for marketing. Yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, so we had we had the, a little bit of fun and, you know, the, the first few clinics that we um, that we put on, we didn't, um, you know, didn't really... We got two or three people along yeah. to them and the pool fees were more than it was to, to get get people through but I remember running our first full clinic I think it was our second or third one uh, word had got out and we'd hooked up with the Manchester uh, Triathlon Club and we got up there to Salford and run this course and, and it was amazing because it yeah. was like everything right there on that day it was like this is what I want to do this is I want to be able to come in taste wanna, it and feel it taste it and feel it you know I, yeah. wanna, I didn't have all the technology didn't have the yeah. system in place we had some powerpoints and slides of what you should be thinking about and you know I had the DVD there to, to sell to people if they wanted to buy it but I could sort of really think, okay, here I have, I've got 12 people in front of me, I'm going to film each one of them, I'm going to analyze their strokes, we're going to get back in the water, we're going to correct their swimming stroke, and yep. then, you know, and then down the line, they're going to maybe come back and do another session, or they're going to get in with their club and, and take it forwards from there. So, you know, it, again, it sounds a little bit cliche and stuff, but we, we came out of that particular um out of that particular clinic, got into the Fiat Ducato, the Max and Paddy van, and just, you know, just totally buzzing, like we were like, woohoo, you know, this is it, it's fantastic. And, and it was a big change in heart because yeah. prior to that, it was, 
it felt really hard, you know, not not really selling yeah. out or selling the clinics and stuff. And we had, I think, um, I remember turning up to the Windsor Triathlon in 2015 and I had a, literally a suitcase full of these DVDs. Yeah. And we'd put, somebody mentioned something in one of the triathlon magazines and we got there and no sooner we opened up the door, this guy came running up to us, oh, you're the swimsuit guys. I heard about you in the, uh, in this magazine. Have you got a DVD? So handed him over a DVD, handed over 30 pounds or whatever it was. And I thought, oh my God, I'm going to be a millionaire by the end of the day. (laughs) But that was the only DVD that we ended up selling for about four months. (laughs) It's just just one guy happened to see this, this, uh, advertorial or whatever in the, in the triathlon magazine and, you know, and then just thinking about, you know, taking it forwards a little bit, um, you mentioned, you asked about, you know, what was the, the what was the seed, if you like, to, for the swim types? Well, in 2008, I was back over here. I was working for yep. Bill Kirby at Kirby Swim and uh, had a great rapport with Bill. Bill actually was in our first DVD. So he was yep. demonstrating, you know, some of the drills and stuff like that. And I just, by that point, I'd done four or five years of video analysis with lots and lots and lots of swimmers. Yes. And I'd started to see these patterns in the way people were swimming. I couldn't quite put a finger on it. I certainly hadn't named it or anything like that. But I just thought, I seem to be doing, here's a guy who looks like that guy that I had three weeks ago, who swims like this, who's responding well to that. There must be something in this. Yes. And then... I started to sort of almost pick up a little bit on the personality yes. of the different swimmers as well. And, yeah. you know, when we first said to said to the coaches in 2010, we've got this system, we've refined it over the last two years, it's called Swim Types, and we believe, strongly believe that there's a link to the way people swim and their personality and, you know, their learning style as well. Yes. And I think everyone could understand and get the concept of, okay, there might be different styles of stroke, but... Yes come on, it's a little bit left field to sort of think that it might be a link with the personality. Because you linked it down to the sort of trunks they'd wear and the way they get into the pool all, as well. All that sort of stuff. <laughs> the way they jump into the pool, and how they respond and react to me, what I need to, uh, yeah. how I need to sort of cater my coaching style to them. You know, a lot of people think that if as a coach... It's your way or the highway, but I very much yeah. believe that I can cater my coaching style. Well, it's going back to getting the swimmer to swim as totally opposed right. to smashing the message out. That, that's exactly right, you yeah. know. So, um, yeah, so when we put it out, it was a little bit left field and people weren't so sure on it. But since that point, I mean, we're talking seven years ago now, um, we've had psychologists, sociologists yeah. um, come on the coaching courses as psychologists and sociologists and want to actually study it from a personality perspective, awesome. irrespective of the coaching, hmm. you know, and... A lot of people say, well, you know, you can't validate this model and stuff. And the, well, the reality, scientifically, <laughs> scientifically <laughs> yeah. exactly right. But, but anecdotically, look. Totally. And if you think about most scientific uh, studies, you know, certainly in sports science, would involve 20 or 30 students sort of thing, you know, and they yeah. look at it and you do statistics to sort of prove that. We're talking, we've literally seen well over 10,000 swimmers now swimming the way and looking at these trends yeah. and you know it's just like any sort of scientific model that it's there to be experimented with it's not hard fast Every, yeah. you're either going to be a swinger or a smooth you're either going to be an arnie or a bambino it's not hard fast like that it's never intended to be but it's a channel or a funnel if you like for us to work with our coaches and for to us to work with our swimmers to get the best absolute best out of them and um Absolutely. it's a great thing yeah we myself and adam my business partner we we often we'll be driving along we'll be like I bet he's an Arnie, that guy driving yeah. that big truck over there with a big four-wheel drive, yeah, big four-wheel drive and hanging his elbow yeah. out the window and somebody else might look a little bit timid and think, oh, maybe she's a Bambino or, or what have you. And I, we, it, it's, it's a fun and very sort of, you know, we, mm. we, we purposefully 
uh, put fun illustrations to each of the uh, the swim types, yeah. and uh, just to sort of show that you know it's, we're not taking ourselves too seriously, and that this is not cut and dry. Mm. This is it's not a pure scientific model, but that people get a lot of value from recognizing themselves in those areas, and then us being able to then channel them forwards and show them what they need to do to cool. improve. Yeah. So has the um, the growth of Swim Smooth been a, a gradual journey, or has there been points where you suddenly thought, right? I'm going to have to take this seriously now. It is my passion. I am into coaching, as as you've yep. you know you've clearly said. But is there a point where you suddenly thought, right, this is a business, um, kids on the horizon, houses, yeah. things like this. Totally. I've got to convert passion into or you know into a business that Absolutely. actually brings in puts the bread on the table. Totally, totally. I think um, around about the same time, I was thinking coming up with the swim types thing. Um, I'd, inv- I'd actually met uh, my business partner Adam online it sounds like a very romantic meeting sort of thing we actually met on a chat forum and a triathlon chat forum it was thanks um, for clearing that yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no problem at all not a dating chat forum and um, we Adam is brilliant at photography and I've got this massive interest in f- photography as well I've done quite yeah. a lot of well we've since done quite a lot of wedding photography together you oh, know? Right. And like, you, I did not know yeah, oh yeah absolutely yeah so we, we, you know, we yeah, 2009 I ran shot 25 weddings in 2009 right. and just love it I just I think yeah. I find it quite similar to coaching you know being able to sort of uh, get people the best out of people for the best photographs and stuff like that so it's a massive passion anyway I, I met Adam online and um, I was working for Bill at that point and I said hey you know you, this guy had been talking about biking and run coaching, but didn't really seem that strong on the swim coaching side of things. I said, you know, what are you doing for the next six months? Do you fancy coming over to Perth yeah. and uh, and just sort of shadowing what I'm doing over in Perth? And, you know, for most normal people, that would be totally impossible. Um, they'd have jobs, they'd have houses, yeah. they'd have families and stuff. But as it happened, Adam had just been uh, made redundant, unfortunately, by Ford. So he'd been right. given a little bit of a payout, had a little bit of time, wasn't sure what he was going to do. So he came over and just shadowed with me over at this over in, over in Perth. And Swim Smooth at that point was four years old. We had a website and we, had, we were selling DVDs. And yeah. you know, I'd already employed my mum to ship out these DVDs when they came through. But I wasn't really actively actively promoting it or anything yeah. like that. I wasn't doing anything big with it. And um, Adam, after six months of being here, I remember we literally shook hands at the airport. I said, you know what? I think we could work really well together. Yeah. You know, we just click and we get on really well. And he said, yeah, I reckon we could do it as well. So he went home, came back a couple of weeks later, and then just literally over the space of a year, sat in a tiny little bedroom in South Perth and wrote the Swim Smooth website. Right. So the Swim Smooth website, as it currently stands now, yeah. uh, so where are we? We're in August 2017. It's going to be up there for about the next month, and then the new version is coming out. But since 2009, that website has not changed. Right. We get about 2 million unique visitors a year just because it's so full of content and yeah, useful free information. Huge. It is huge. It's very easy to get lost in there. Yep. We know that. That's why, hence the reason the new website's coming out. But Adam, just he just put a year of his life into writing this. And he's not, he's not a web developer. He's not a coder. But he right. taught himself all these skills. Yeah. And I just saw the passion and energy that he was putting into that, taking my ideas and actually putting them out there. And I thought... There is something more to this. There is yes. something that we can do. And we started to get these hits and the sales of the DVD started to drive. And then we got a knock on the, literally a knock on the door of certainly an email in the inbox from British Triathlon, who I'd worked with previously, you know, um, back uh, when I was working, uh, doing sports science. And they said, Hey, we really like what you're doing. We haven't got a very good swim coaching curriculum. Yeah. Would you consider writing the swim coaching curriculum for British Triathlon? And we're like, 
yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah sure yeah that'd be fantastic thank you so um so they commissioned us to to write it uh, to doing this and yeah. um you know, I, I've, I've been listening to a couple of podcasts myself for different entrepreneurs, and one of the things that seems to bubble through all the time is this idea of generosity. In order yes. to actually sort of get yourself out there, you've got to do something, give something, to, give to, something get, to give something to get yeah. something. And you know, with the with the British Triathlon, it was a massive um, deal for us, but we didn't charge them for any of our material. Right. We did it all for free. So yes. we spent a year of our lives, working lives, creating this content for British Triathlon. But it's been unbelievably great because with that, we've suddenly got the credibility within the UK. Yes. We've put our heart and souls into creating it. Coaches are using it, seeing it's working. Mm. And then it's part of the syllabus in the UK. And there's something like three and a half thousand coaches in the UK now who have actually gone on a British triathlon coach's course. They've done the the swim module, which is all our stuff. And they've learned about swim smooth. Yeah. So it's been, that was a really good vehicle. And then, Following on from that, um, four years later, 2014, the International Triathlon Union contacted us and said, hey, we saw the really good work that you did with British Triathlon. Yeah. Will you do it for us? So, yeah, what does that involve? And they said, well, it, that involves you writing a curriculum that's going to be used in 119 countries around the world. Wow. And we're like, yeah, okay, yeah. so we'll do that. Yeah, well, let's, let's do that. And it's been great because, you know, we're very passionate about this idea that you know, they there might well have been once upon a time a worldview that everybody needs to swim this one way. Yep. But our interest area is very much in distance freestyle swimming. It's yes. in swimming in the open water. It's for triathlon swimming. It's and those environments and those um, uh, disciplines are very different to swimming fifty meters flat out in a pool. Yes. Very different indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, so sort of being seen now I guess as the in that area in that, in that sort of in air, uh, arena if you so like that's been, we've got that niche exactly right yes. and it, that's been quite a quite a good thing and people still say to us you know when are you going to write butterfly backstroke and breaststroke when are you going to start talking about sprints and stuff like that and that's stuff that we might do down the line but it's yeah. not it's not immediately pressing for us yeah. you know and I think Again, this goes back a little bit to my to my past, thinking about what I was like as a kid. Mm. I was somebody in a squad who could work harder than anybody else. Yes. You know, I remember doing a set of 20 times 100 meters still to this day. And my, my mentor at that time was a lady called uh, Billie Jean Clark, who now lives in Sydney. And mm. we, we still hook up and stuff. She was about four years older than me. Brilliant swimmer, held a couple of British records at the time. She just happened to be in our club. And she just exuded this aura of passion about something she's come on Paul you can do it you can do it like this yeah. not, the other coaches weren't paying too much attention to me because I wasn't a very good sprinter yes you know I'd go to a swimming meet and I wouldn't make a finals and yet here I was this Trojan in training yes. working my arse off excuse me yeah. <laughs> and um, I, just working my backside off and and not really for some reason wasn't translating mm. so I, I initially thought well maybe maybe I'm just no good for this swimming thing but mm. in reflection looking back on it I was definitely That's more. That's not your niche. It's not my niche. I'm not a sprinter. I'm a distance athlete. Yeah. You know, so thinking now about the about the future, about my own kids and the kids that I coach and the things that we're going to be doing for the kids in the future, it's very much about recognizing that not just recognizing these different swim types, but also recognizing in its simplest terms that if you've got a pool of a hundred young kids swimming, not all of them are going to be greatest the greatest sprinters. Yes. And if they're not, they're going to be the greatest sprinters because typically only sprinting is available to them. Yes. The 80 or so others who are not that great at sprinting are going to probably potentially think they're not that great. And yeah. they might potentially drop out of the sport. And swimming around about the age of 13, 14 is a hugely high dropout. Yes. 
Even the Brownlee brothers in the UK weren't fantastic pool swimmers, but their coach recognised, hey, maybe you'd be quite good for this yeah. this new sport of triathlon. You seem to have this big engine, you can keep going. You might not be able to lift it too high, but you can keep going. Keep going. So they nourished them through that, nurtured them through that, I should say, and pushed them towards that. And, you know, two Olympic gold medals, a bronze and a silver, yeah. the best... And carrying each other across the yeah, line. Yeah, carrying each other across the line. It's just, it's, a, yeah. it's, an, it's an amazing success story. And I think a lot of that, you know, they are... Hugely talented athletes, massive work engines, you know, they'll do anything for training. But at some point, somebody has said to them, what you're doing here in this environment is not your niche. Yep. Something else might be better for you. So I I think one of my things, I I believe, is very much to try and educate people that that's that's the, you know, and it just so happens that for age group athletes like ourselves, you know, in the, in, you know, sort of 30s, 40s, 50s, the there's still a master's program out there where you can go into mm. pools and do uh, sprint events and stuff but the growth area is obviously triathlon and open water swimming yeah. these longer distance swims where you know and um, and you know just to sort of embrace swimming for life really more than anything else so yeah we'll, you know, we'll come to that in a minute yeah. but you, you were saying so now you're writing the syllabus for the international triathlon yes so so where does swim smooth go from there because well where it goes from there then is to try to you know, a lot of these coaching platforms, the um, for the ITU and for British Triathlon, it's a case of we need to write the content and produce the videos for you and do the training plans and the pathway and stuff. But it's still the vehicle in that, you know, talking 2010, the technology that was available in 2010 is nowhere near as good as it is now and yeah. nowhere near as good as it will be in three or four years' time. So now, um, alongside the 2014-15, we started to develop this idea that, okay, we want to be able to put a lot of our content online. People are no no longer using DVDs. They're streaming video. You know, you've got Netflix and Amazon and all that sort of stuff. People, That's how people want to get their content. And we always believed that was a bit of friction. We've got a a massive following. We're lucky to have that, very blessed to have that. We've got 120,000 people on our our blog list. Yep. So it makes it the world's... um, the world's biggest swimming blog, blog uh, which is which is great, and a lot of that's been driven from just a lot of generosity. You know, back in two thousand nine, we produced an animated swimmer, Mister Smooth. Yes. It cost us three times as much as what we had in the bank at that point, and that was mates' rates because it was my cousin's boyfriend yes. who produced it for us, and it's a brilliant piece of work. And when we produced it, Adam said, "Right, we're going to give that away for free." And I said, "What? You're joking? <laughs> you know what?" But that's helped it's to grow. It's a great trend here. You're giving everything away from free. Absolutely. When yeah, do yeah. you get to making something? Well, like hopefully that. by the time I'm 50 or something <laughs> like that, maybe, yeah. Um, but, it, you know, just sort of putting it out there, it helps to establish your brand, establish yes. what you're about and, uh, and the really philosophies important. and ideas that you've got. Because, you know, it's no good sort of just hiding behind a closed wall and saying, you know, here's three sentences about what I do as a coach. Click, click now to pay more to find out yes. more sort of thing people just don't that's not the way people operate people yeah. need to know a little bit about what your philosophy is and what you're trying to do and, and so who you are as a person so, and who you are as a person yeah it's yeah. very very important you know I definitely wear my heart on my sleeve and I've been pulled up from that for more than one occasion um, but um, you know just in terms of actually getting you know where do we get where are we going now well very much our our online coaching platform the Swim Smooth Guru allows mm. us to reach out to people worldwide um, and scaled up and scaled out yeah exactly right or scaled up exactly right and the the thing with that we've always seen to be a lot of friction over in the US with the our centre operation is in the UK so yeah. Mother Smooth my mum yeah. is based up in the North mothership. Wales the mothership is up there she's in this little uh, little office and warehouse sort of thing that we purposely built for her and she loves it but 
getting someone to buy a DVD in America from the UK and pay shipping and stuff like that has always been a bit of a yeah. friction point sort of thing. Is it going to arrive? Are these guys genuine? Is it just yeah. a bogus website? Whereas if people can actually access it instantly and yes, see and it and it. stream it and stuff, it, you know, that helps to break down those barriers big time. So we've invested a huge amount of time in that. You know, that, that's really that whole project. Um, I said 2014. It's actually been, we started in 2013. So right talking four and a half years wow. of development and we're still developing it all the time so yeah. that's very much where we're where we're heading with that and we've now got a um, since 2011 since we released swim types and had this model where I could actually feel comfortable coaching another coach to be able to do what I do yeah because you've now you have you have the swim smooth coaches around the world. That's right. Yeah. So we've got 40, 40 coaches dotted around the world. Uh, most of them at this point are in the UK. So we've got uh, fourteen or fifteen in the UK. You've got some random ones all over the place, though. Oh, we have. Oh, yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. It's it's. it's you know, it's interesting because at this point in time, we're still very much reliant on people wanting to learn about swim smooth having the passion to then become a swim smooth coach and having the facilities like a, a pool which allow them to book the lane space to be able to do it and make it economically viable for them to then uh, to then be able to do that. But yeah, working with those coaches is great. And when we first announced to them that we were putting out this guru, this online coaching system, a lot of them were quite nervous about, oh my God, is that going to replace our... Yeah, you've... you've yeah, we've yeah. invested in you by coming a swim and swimsuit coach, and now you're giving and now you're giving it away, and you know you can get it for twenty dollars a month for the premium version, or you know uh, six or seven dollars a month for the standard version. You know, you talk about this at higher quality and stuff. But the funny thing is that it really has provided this funnel or this channel is that people get onto the guru who might. There's a lot of people out there who feel intimidated about joining a squad or even intimidated about approaching a coach because they haven't got a swimming background and they're Mm. worried that, oh, is the coach going to laugh at me? Is he going to think I'm rubbish and and these sort of things? So it's a much safer environment for them to check it out, do some drills, learn a bit about it, and we get loads of people just feeding back saying how much it's working for them. I remember the first time when I came here in, in, in well, seven years ago, and I remember just turning up at a coach, asking a coach if I could join a session in Fremantle and it was... Took me a couple of weeks to pluck up the courage just to ask, and he just said, "Yeah, sure, get in." Yeah, and it was like, "How much do I pay you?" Said, no, it's free in your pot. <laughs> right. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. But um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it can be intimidating. Intimidating, definitely. You know, and I think with the guru, as we call it now, um, it's you know, we've got this friendly little guru dude who pops up and guides you around the website and and gives you feedback and input and allows you to track your progress. Um, with uh, with that, it's provided this funnel to sort of say, okay, people get established with Swim Smooth and what it's all about and whether it works for them and, and, and what have you. And then through that channel, they end, they end up finding our Swim Smooth certified coaches. So yes. you might think, you know, so-and-so, you might look originally and think, oh, yeah. is it, is 200 kilometers away it's too far to go for a swim session but you get into the program you start to like it and suddenly that 200 kilometers yes. is a lot closer than what you think it is absolutely you know you jump in your car for two hours and you go and have a, a training session you know, I, I frequently get people flying over from new york from california just to come for a swimming session with me they'll yes. literally fly in one day and fly out the next to come and have a swim session i mean it's, it's almost unheard of thinking back to my coach yeah. who gave me all this passion this you know he's on his twenty-four thousand pounds a year salary yeah. and stuff me realizing that it would be possible to earn a living from this and you know enjoy what I do you know I turn up every day on the pool deck I just love being there yes it's great I had one guy a few couple of years ago he must have been having a bad swim or something this guy rests on the side of the pool he goes oh mate it was on a Saturday afternoon I'm going to do my very best impression of a 
Aussie. a strong Aussie accent. <laughs> oh, mate, you're working your ass off here. Why did you do that? You could be up on the mines. This is before the mining bust yeah. sort of thing. You'll be up on the mines driving a truck for 150 grand a year. What are you doing? And then and he's like, and he must have caught himself and like reflected on what he was saying as he was saying because he looked around and go. Beautiful blue sky, a couple of clouds in the sky there, a fantastic 50-meter swimming yeah, pool, Claremont, Claremont swimming Claremont, pool, yeah. Davies Road there, just an amazing facility. And I've got a smile on my face. I've finished working with somebody. It's just late on a Saturday afternoon. And it, yeah, he, he suddenly stopped. He goes, ah, oh, it's quite a good office, though, this, isn't it? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it <laughs> is quite a good office. office. It's a great office, you know. Yeah. So very privileged to be able to chill the office sometimes at five in the morning on the call, on the. Day. On the winter, in the winter, yeah, it's been a bit of a been a bit of a wet winter this winter, sort mm-hmm. of thing, and uh, it definitely makes it a little bit more challenging. But I mean, the you know, my job in that role is just to try to get people um, just, just to get into the water. Yeah. Yeah, once they're in, they've got the steam coming off oh, the yeah. pool. It, you feel super virtuous when you get back out of the water and stuff. So, oh, you do, you know, just sort of seeing that, and and um, yeah, I learn a lot from my. The, the athletes and swimmers, you know, some of them, I, I, I call them, you're my athletes. And they go, I'm not an athlete. You know, I'm just a recreational That's swimmer right. sort of thing. But yeah, they're all athletes. They're all following yeah. the program. They're all doing hard training sessions and, and stuff like that. And, you know, I get a lot of inspiration from the way that they, that they uh, work and operate. Mm. You know, as a, as a junior triathlete in the UK, I felt like there was all this pressure on me to perform. And in reflection over the years, there was actually no external pressure whatsoever no, it's all, all inside in internal here. pressure thinking i've got to be so and so i've got to be this i've got to do that and you know I, i'd talk myself out of the training sessions i'd sometimes stop and you know sort of think oh i've hurt my shoulder or something like that mm. yeah i hadn't probably you know i was just i was just over overdoing the whole thing yes and just building into something it wasn't and then I have my swimmers turn up to Claremont Pool every morning. Everybody completes the session. No one ever questions it. No yes. one's. No one feels like they're racing for sheep stations. That people yes. are very real about what they're what they're trying to do. And, that, and that's mm. not to say that they haven't. Some of my uh, swimmers haven't achieved just amazing feats. You know, one of our swimmers, Sue Oldham. She's um, seventy-two years of age. She's mm. going to be. Uh, she's setting off next week to swim the English Channel, um, which will be her third swim across the English Channel if she successfully makes it. She was the world record holder. Yeah. Um, Recently, somebody's chipped her off the block at 68 years of age. Sue's going back over there and to do it again, to do it again you know. And um, we've got uh, a lady that we refer to as Mega Megan in the mm. squad who started off with us and she was swimming two minutes 15 per 100 meters and really sort of not struggling in the water, but very, mm. very sort of slow and not really thinking that she'd go too far with it and what have you. But she swam the Rottnest swim in just over six hours and uh, you know, got, a, got a threshold pace, as we call it, a CSS pace, down to the low 130s from 2 minutes 15, a massive mm. improvement. And people seeing that, we, we try to make these stories about these swimmers and you know, they're all genuine stories. So saying, so-and-so's done this, this is how they've done it. We're very free in sharing of that information. Yes. This is the process that they go through. And um, in, in the hope, in the grander scheme, grander hope of actually helping swimmers all around yeah. the world sort of recognize themselves in Mega Megan or in Sue and hmm. or uh, whoever that might be might be coaching at that time. Cool. So, you know, you ask the question, you know, you give a lot away for free and stuff like that. But I think when you're as passionate as we are about swim coaching and, yeah. you tr- and your genuine interest is to actually help people improve their swimming and just enjoy what you've always enjoyed your yeah. whole life, you know, it's not so much, I know it sounds cliche to say, but it's not about the money it's not about earning mega mega bucks to, to exactly. get it in and stuff like that we've got to be realistic I'm not in mining I'm not in engineering and, yes. and product development like that you know swimming coaching 
as good as it can be, mm. it's never going to be at that sort of level. You know, you hear about the Andrew Forrests of the world with the big paychecks and stuff like that. You know, we're not... Um, uh, I actually coach Andrew and, uh, right. and and his son sort of thing and you know a fantastic mentor for me but you know we we've got to be realistic in our own expectations mm. we're never going to be at that sort of sort of level and stuff. So what is the future for swim smoke? Well, I could tell you, Bryn, but then I have to kill you. <laughs> we have, uh, yeah, we've we've got various um, things that projects that we're working on at the moment. We've just um, uh, we've it's it's a really interesting time for us at the moment. Three weeks ago, we. Um, in fact, not just three weeks ago, this, this, things have been developing over the last couple of years whereby we're starting to get lots of copycat coaches ah. copying what we're doing, right. oftentimes without well, our permission. You are the and stuff leader like. with your types and you've gone against the grain and you've done all that hard work. That's yeah. exactly right. I suppose it's a compliment on one level. It is a compliment on one level. And that's, that's it's the, not the, a compliment if it's taking the bread off the table. Well, that's right. And, it, and it's, you know, it, the glass half full uh, fraternity would say exactly that. Yeah, yes. they say you've got to look at this as a, uh, as a compliment and what have you. But we've got to be, because we take so much care and attention and time and, and investment mm-hmm. in our coaching, Coaches, um, we want to make sure that the people who are claiming to be swim smooth coaches out there are genuine are swim smooth coaches. You know, not it's not even so much about the bread on the table. We just want to know that so and so is having a session. I got a, a thing on Twitter uh, a few months ago saying I put something out saying you know swim smooth. We do all this. You know, train up our coaches, and somebody responded back within five minutes saying, "Well, I had a swim smooth session, and I've got to say it was absolutely quite rubbish. It wasn't anything that I was expecting." And I was like, "Oh my god." one of our coaches, what, what are they playing at? So I investigated it and it turns out this coach has nothing to do with Swim Smooth Box right. Coach, but she told this lady she was. Oh, right. So we're starting to see a lot of that and even just uh, last weekend we had uh, a guy who was literally cut and pasting our articles, putting them, so not even just mm. inferring co- connection, literally cutting just and pasting bang. and you know, banging it on there and uh, that upset me a lot did that because you know it's it's we have put our, a lot of time and effort into it. If people are going to um, refer to us, we would want it we want credit where credit's due, yes. you know, and not just cut and pasting. And I, uh, I mentioned earlier on, I put my heart on my sleeve. So against all marketing um, uh, advice sort of thing, and my sister and my dad are both in that environment. They went mad at me when I did this. I, I whistleblowed on this guy. I said, you know, you've copied this, you've copied that, you've copied this, put it out on Twitter. And it got a massive stir up of people's attention because mm. we're quite lucky because we've done a lot for free and, and helped a lot of people. And we you've do, got that huge fan base. That, that fan base and, and a bit of, a, almost say like a little bit of a halo effect about what we do because people can see that we're doing it for the right reasons, yes. not just to earn a, a, a buck or what yeah. have you. So I put this out there and, um, and this guy was stripped down big time. Like big time, yes. and to the point where he was uh, calling me up saying, "I'm going to sue you for defamation for right. loss of business." You mobilized, and stuff like that. You mobilized your tribe, mobilized my tribe against him. You know, and they and he, they just they just cut him down big time. Mm. And he was on the doorstep of one of our coaches in the UK, and I, I got really stressed about this because as soon as he mentioned the word, "I'm going to sue you," mm. I was like, "Hang on, how do we?" Turn around 360, 180 degrees. How do I get in trouble? How do I get in trouble for you doing some, for ripping off my material? And I was livid, absolutely livid. So I, there I was getting all stressed, not sleeping and stuff like that. And, you know, really having a hard time. And I've, 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 I freely admit the last few weeks I've been going, I've been doing it pretty rough because of this. When people taking, plagiarizing your stuff and taking what you've Mm. built and just putting it out there and profiting from that. As it happens, this same coach had been, um, um, falsely claiming his coaching credentials as well. Ooh. So because we have the connection with British Triathlon, they stepped in and said, hey, you know, 
mm. and they took it off off my hands basically, and now they're dealing with that. So, you know, that's that's one. You know, the, the, everyone said to me, everyone always said, oh, well, Paul, you should be really flattered that people are copying your stuff. Yeah. That's the first sign that you, you're starting at this tipping point. You know, people call yes. it a tipping point sort of thing. You're tipping over that point where suddenly you've gone from being this sort of bit of a cult thing to getting a little bit more sort of mainstream. Mm. The cult is now becoming the mainstream. Yeah, the mainstream and stuff like that, you know. And it's a nice feeling to have that. But, but. you know, I, I think coaching and the swimming Let's be community. About yeah, it. absolutely. And the swimming it's your, community. It's your IP. Yeah, exactly right. We're not talking Coca-Cola ripping off Pepsi sort of thing here. Yeah. We're talking about coaches who, you know, when I sign up as a coach, one of the things, one of the reasons I want to be a coach, we sign an ethical code of conduct and that, you know, it sort of yes. wards off against stuff like this. There's almost an unwritten rule that you couldn't do that. And one of my um, one of my coaches in triathlon, a guy called Steve True, did a, a marvellous thing for on, on my behalf. You know, he, he contacted me and said, is this really true about all this plagiarism stuff? And I said, yeah, it's just on on Facebook and um, he said well you know it just seems crazy what can I do and I said well I don't know if there's a lot you can do because currently I'm being threatened with legal action sort of thing yeah. you know so anyway he on his own Facebook page he wrote this whole thing and, and it was brilliantly put and he's, he's very very um, eloquent in his wording and stuff and he said um, you know as part of being a coach there's no denying that nobody is rewriting the swimming book Nobody yes. is in reinventing the wheel. Yes. Everybody is influenced by everybody else. And when we put out our book, we produced a book in 2012 with Wiley and Sons, my acknowledgement section, they wanted me to cut it down because I was actually yes. acknowledging almost every, every single, every man and his dog. Who's helped me get to where I am? I want to give them credit. I want to give them reference for that. And they and the publishers were saying, oh, I think that section's a bit too big. And Adam said, don't worry, I'll just put a short blurb. I'll just put in my own acknowledgements, which would just be a paragraph to allow Paul yeah. to get his stuff in there. And Steve had put this thing out on Facebook last week. And it was a thing saying, look, we all have these influences. And he says, I'm a case coach. And a case coach is apparently copy and steal everything. Yes. And, and he was freely admitting this. But he wasn't admitting it in the context of, I'm going to rip you off and steal all your stuff and claim it as my own. Yes. He was saying, I'm going to acknowledge, I'm going to deliver it within the session. I'm going to acknowledge where I've got it from. Yes. I'm going to give credit where credit's due. But there's absolutely no work, no place in this world, in this coaching fraternity for, play, for direct plagiarism, lifting your stuff and putting it out there. And, you know, I, when he put that out there, I mean, he's somebody who I still, you know, bow down to, to basically because he's, he's a great mentor. I call him Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes. He, um, he used to take us to uh, big triathlon events all around Europe and all around the world, actually. And would roll up there with these suitcases full of bikes and 45, 50 kilos worth of gear, only being allowed to take 20 on. And he'd just walk right up to the counter, he'd have a couple of lapel badges, he'd lean over the counter to the stewardess and just sort of start talking sweet nothings into her yeah. ears. You know, these guys, they're going to go to the Olympic Games, these guys, you can't charge them, yeah. they haven't got any money and stuff. And it never, ever fails. So it's almost like Obi-Wan awesome. Kenobi in Star Wars just going like that and just being allowed straight through. So this guy, to, to have his backing last week was, was a major thing for me, yeah. yeah. Awesome. So if we just come out of Swim Smooth for a minute, you've obviously coached um, numerous people to ta- undertake you know, big adventures like the Solo to Rockness, you know, and I myself did it a couple of years ago, um, well, last year in 2016. And there probably other other people who take other big adventures on like, like the Ironman or the 70.3. What What is it about these big things that all of a sudden people who you know may have done some sport at school or 
you know, like me, I played a bit of rugby and then like didn't do a great deal for a while and all of a sudden it all started to switch on. What is it within these people that just suddenly switch? You know, you, you've seen lots of people. What yeah. is it that's going on, you reckon? I don't know. I, I definitely think over the years, we talk about like growth areas and stuff, triathlon being one, open water swimming and stuff being one. But I think like with any release of any product let's call it an apple iphone or something like that you know you have the early adopters and i think back in 1994 when i did my first triathlon mm. it was still a very very niche sport you know and like everyone mm. thought i was totally crazy no one was talking about it at the pub certainly no one was actually signing the mate up to go and do this do this yes. thing and stuff like that and it just sort of bubbled along for a few years and then it got into the olympics and then it started to get a little bit of recognition which is what mm. they were hoping for talking specifically about triathlon here and um, and it just gained this little bit of momentum. So I think with that, I, I see two types of people: the people who are who are maybe you know thinking, okay, well, you know, I've maybe had my kids, or I'm um, getting a little bit, uh, you know, I want to want to challenge myself, I want to do something mm. a bit different. I don't want to be the guy who puts on loads of weight and sits down and drinks loads of beer every night. Yes. I want to do something that means something to me, and hopefully can maybe influence some of my friends. So there's very much that side, and then there's also the I think there's also a group of people who get sort of almost just just caught up in it, and all yes. of a sudden, without even really thinking about it, they're doing a, an Ironman triathlon. You know, it's yeah. like, so, you know, their mates doing it. It's like, come on, do this, and they're like. Yeah, okay then. I mean, and it, yeah, I, mean, doing it. I came here and I thought, oh yeah, being in a team to Rotness would be yeah. would be a big thing. And then all of a sudden I'm being around people and That's they've right. all got the solo number <laughs> And then I came and had my first one-to-one with you. And I yeah. think one of the first things you said to me was, yeah, you've got the capability of swimming in the solo to Rotness. And I had another friend who said, um, yeah, you, you know, if you just put the work in, you'll be able to do it. That's right. And then all of a sudden it's it's possible. Totally. But um, yeah, what do you think actually goes on in there? Because I think you pick something interesting there with them. Um, you have the kids, yeah, and then you know the kids have grown up a bit. They're not like three, four, five years old, so they're more stable. You That's know. right. Yeah, they, they they go to the toilet by themselves. Yeah, <laughs> you're relieved of some of those duties, and you've got a little bit of space. Yep. And I think for me, I wonder whether there's there's a bit of you've been through that bit and you've given yourself away and now yeah. all of a sudden you want a bit for yourself. Not back, exactly. And right. I think also within the process, certainly I found on, on the process of swimming the solo to Rotness, I found loads about myself that I yeah, yeah. put away and this, that and the other and those endless hours. It can be quite emotional. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I've, 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 I've got a video which I captured leading beforehand where I've got a friend to record me and I wonder whether I should make that episode zero. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but all these stories were coming out of my mouth and I was just like, wow. But um, yeah, I'm just interested whether you get to that sort of 35, 45 year point and you're getting reflective and you need to do something, whether it's capturing youth or do something meaningful or big or a statement to yourself or to others. That's right. Do you yeah. see that? Totally. I think... Um I think you almost want to convince yourself that you're not over the hill. Yes. If you know what I mean. Because, yes. you know, I I mean, my kids are eight and five now and I definitely went through a period when they're very, very young where, you know, you, you can't, you can't, not only can you not go out socially necessarily, especially if you haven't got any family where you live, mm. um, but you just can't even go out for a run because you, somebody's got to be in the house and stuff like yeah. that. It's very hard to manage it and you all, both you and your partner are probably competing for time and stuff like that. But then when, like you say, when they get a little, when the kids get a little bit more established and stuff, you think, right, okay, I need a little bit back for me. You know, you look down at your, your uh, <laughs> less than a six pack, you've already got your muffin <laughs> your top, your barrel, yeah, your muffin top or what have you. And you look down at it and you think, 
yeah, I really need to get get back into that and to sort of mm. almost convince yourself that you that you can still mm. that you can still do that. And yeah, I think people have lots of different driving motivations and stuff. For me, for the English Channel, it was just a, a childhood dream doing that yeah. in 2011, and I um, that I, I that was literally it was going to be like goodnight Vienna type of thing because. My daughter was born um, about a week or so after I signed the English Channel, yeah. so I had to. The weather was really oh, yeah. bad, and I just had to go. I just had to. Th- I thought if I don't go now, my little girl Isla, as she's now called, is going to be born, and I'm going to have to have to come back. So you could sort of say, yeah. "Well, who is this monstrosity who leaves his pregnant wife, <laughs> heavily <laughs> pregnant wife, to go and swim the English Channel?" Sort of thing. But you know, we we talked about it. We, yeah, this was something we were going to do, and or I was going to do, and and stuff, and yeah. You know, Obviously, massive respect uh, to Michelle for letting mm. me do that. And, and um, but there, you know, I'm stood in Dover, and my tide comes, and the weather comes through, and it, and it, and uh, the tide blows out, and I, I can't get through on that tidal window. I have to wait to the next one. The weather doesn't get any better, and it just came a point where I sort of say, I've just got to, got to get in there and do it. Yeah. So for me, you know, it, that was very that at that point was very much a, I'm going to do this now because I'm not going to get to do anything yes. properly for another couple of years. And then when you come through that, yes. then it's all about you know probably 2013 for Manhattan was then me trying to sort of say, hey, I've still got it, I yes. can still do this thing, you know. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I haven't done I haven't done a major event since that point. But just going back to what people go through, there is a, a new sport um, since 2007 which I've got myself involved mm. in. It's called uh, swim run. Um, yes. So it's uh, a Swedish, the Swedish company uh, who set it up called Tillur, which means island to island. Uh, they set this up in 2007, and the idea was that they would actually race across this archipelago in Sweden. It was 65 kilometers of trail running and 10 k's of open water swimming. Yeah. But the idea is that you run uh, with your wetsuit on, and then you swim with your trainers on. So there's no transitions like triathlon, but yes. it, you're actually partnered up with somebody. So you're hooked into a buddy, and you and him or you and her need to actually get across in as little unscathed way as you possibly can and get across the course. And I got um, so that, that was so I did the did the Manhattan swim in 2013, and then it was just last year, 2016, the opportunity came to do this, and it was on the Scilly Isles in the UK, which is mm. a beautiful place and a place I've never been to, but always wanted to go. And a Swedish friend of mine who'd been on one of our coaches' courses said, "Yeah, I, I want to do this with you." And as it turns out, unfortunately, his his, his daughter, his eight year old daughter, was suffering really quite severe leukemia, so we decided that we'd do it as a way for him. To sort of, um, you know, he was going for a really hard time. His family yes. were going for a mega hard time. We thought, well, how can we give a little bit of positivity in his life? And, you know, for me to, you know, sort of give yeah. me a challenge, I definitely operate better when I've got a goal in front of me. And to try and raise some money for his daughter and for the, well, for the fundraising organization and stuff like that. And, uh, and just do it together. And that was a, that was the first time in my entire sporting life I've ever done something which hasn't been ultra competitive. Yes. We set off. Neither of us were very fit. Neither of us were sure we were even going to be able to get around the, yes. the course. I hadn't run properly for years and years and years. And we just set off with no pressure, no stress whatsoever. And it was a totally liberating experience. Yes. Because we, we went, you know, I think there was about 120 teams and we got to the end of the first run, two kilometers. And I think we were in about, looking back at the results, I think we were in like 60th position. 
But then you get into the water and typically one of you swims at the front and the other one, the stronger swimmer swims at the front and the other swimmer swims behind and you can tether them so you can pull them on a, on a rope. Yes. So I got Matty is his name. I got, I said, right, I'll sit on the front. You sit behind. Here's the rope. And suddenly we came out of the water. We've gone from like top 60 to 13th or 14th after that first swim. So the first swim was as long as the first run. Yes. So that played to my strength. Fence. And then we're out there and we're thinking, well, you know, we haven't trained that hard for this event and we're not really taking that seriously. But heck, we're nearly in the yes. nearly in the top ten here. Let's just let's yes. just let's just go and do it. And it, it was great, you know. I, you you're working together as a team. I've never been a, a team player as such. I've never been into rugby or soccer or any of those other sports. I've always done stuff solo. So for me, doing that. You know, and that, that, I guess that was one of my drivers, motivations, just doing something different, something yes. a little bit lower key. And I see that day to day in our, in our squad swimmers, you know, people coming along. What is their motivation? Well, a lot of them can't answer what their motivation is. They just say, yeah. I just like being fit and healthy. I just, it's just my routine. It's my habit. You know, it's, it's habitual. I just like to, I like to come down and yeah, the coaching's all right. A lot of yeah. people say, the coaching's all right. You know, it's not bad. You, just, you get me up in the morning, but they come for that social camaraderie of, of share, that shared experience of doing it with other people. And you see that all the time with things like social media now, you know, people, this social like tribe, like a big tr- growing a tribe and stuff like that. But it's, it's true on a, in a squad situation as well. Yes. You go down to the, for polar bear swim. Why do you yes. go down for a polar bear swim? Well, it's invigorating to get into the cold water, but Absolutely. it's also nice to share a coffee with somebody afterwards and just chat about yeah. the experience of it's doing very it. Grounded conversation very grounded conversation. You've yeah. been in the water. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, so yeah. I think um, yeah, obviously people have all sorts of different drivers and stuff, and I, I take a lot of. I've always I've always envied the swimmers that I coach. Yes, for the fact that they can just turn up. Sometimes without a goal at all, yes. But still turn up for every single training session of every single and just week swim. and just swim without any sort of goals or competition or anything like that. Not taking it too serious. And you know, if I if I reflect back on what I've done well, what I haven't done quite so well, I think physically as an athlete, I was as a triathlete and swimming and stuff like that. I'd always done pretty well, but mentally that was always the hardest mm. thing. I was always battling these inner demons mm. of you know, am I good enough? Am I not good enough? And even when I did Manhattan, I certainly didn't expect to win that swim. And I set off as I always do too fast. Yes. But I had the I sort of had the insight to sort of feel that I had gone off too quick. And suddenly I was yes. up there with the leaders and thinking, I shouldn't be here. These guys are way better than me. I'm going to back off. So I backed off. And then a couple of hours later, I actually caught them back up and then went into the lead. And it was just it was through that conservation of not being too hard on myself. Mm. And just sort of, you know, going at being eighty percent perfect, as if you, yeah. if you like, or eighty percent strong, as opposed to one hundred and ten percent. Paul Newsom play in the water. <laughs> Paul Newsom does play in the water. Actually, Paul Newsom played in the water in New Yorker this year. Actually, so we, I, um, I went over there for this amazing festival of swimming. It's called yeah. the Best Fest, and it's from Is that through being the Karma. No, nothing to no. do. Nothing to do with the Calm Resorts uh, Rockness Channel Swim, where where they had me as the coach for that. But this is something entirely different. So for years, um, there's a 50 meter swimming pool which almost looks exactly the same as Davies Road, in the middle of Mallorca or on the well, say in the middle of Mallorca on the coast, set up by a couple of elite uh, or former Olympian British swimmers who wanted to yeah. set up a 50 meter pool in an area where it's not too expensive to travel to and certainly to build a 50 meter pool. Imagine how much it costs to build a 50 meter yes. pool in Perth. It's just ridiculous. But in Mallorca, it's possible. So they built this 50-meter pool, and the idea is that they have these teams traveling each year. It's like the Danish uh, Danish national team, German national team, British national team. They could go and have a warm-weather camp because yes. we don't need warm-weather camps it's here. It's not something like play. 
Say again, sorry? This is not sounding like Well, pie. not yet, but... <laughs> yeah. So they, they, these guys came in, and over the last few years, they've, they've sort of said, well, how can we add in... An, this is pure pool swimming. How can we add in the element of open water? We've got all this fantastic Mediterranean water to come and swim in. Yes. What can we do? So they decided to set up what is essentially the Tour de France of open water swimming, wow. where each day there is a new stage, and they sort of accumulate points for this leader at the ah. end of the, the week. And yeah, I, I raced eight times that week, I think it was, and covered about 45 kilometers. And I, I turned up- I'm seeing your Instagram crowd. Yeah, account. there you go. It looks pretty nice, doesn't it? It you was, know? it was amazing. You know? Yeah, and I turned up totally unfit, like genuinely unfit. <laughs> yeah. But by the end of the week, I'd done 45 k's of swimming. I was pumping by the end, like properly, I feel oh, as good as I've ever felt really, to be honest right. with you. And, you know, you, you say, well, that still doesn't sound much like playing because that's racing and stuff. But in the morning, every single morning, I was literally on a, in a hotel where it's overlooking the Mediterranean. I'd walk down the steps, take 50 meters, jump into the Mediterranean. It's about 10 meters deep, crystal clear, about 22 degrees. And it was just amazing. Like all this, you know, fish life and stuff like that. Yeah. And there were no, I didn't have a, an agenda. I didn't have to swim a certain, I just made up a 800 meter loop. Never time myself, which I never normally do. I'm always, oh, I've got to time yeah, myself. Bleeper on, on and all that. And I just swam. And I, I was putting no effort into the strokes. And it just felt fantastic. So that became like my warm-up for the race for later on in the day. But I didn't really think of it as a warm-up. I actually right. thought of it as just enjoying. Just enjoying being yeah, yeah. present in the water. Totally, yeah. And I wish, I'd like to say that I came back from that and I still do that every single day. But I don't. Yeah. But I would. part of me still craves that feel. I was in the pool earlier on today thinking... I wonder if I can swim like I did in Mallorca. Like, yeah. as in, not worry about anybody else who's around me and just get in there and, and just, just and just swim and just, be in, it. And be, just be in the water. And, you know, I mentioned earlier on this lady, Megan Megan, you know, she's just, she's been inspirational to me, like with her attitude towards swimming and how she is as a person and stuff like that. She, you know, I'll say to some swimmers, right, we're going to do these times here and you're going to hit these targets and stuff. And they'll go, oh, I don't think I can do it. I'm not sure. And she just often give me the, we call it the Mega Megan shrug. She just looks at me, shrugs her shoulders and go, okay, if you say you can do it, I can do it. Okay. So she just gets in and does it. And she doesn't think too much about it and stuff. And, you know, I, I'd definitely be guilty of somebody who overthinks things, no yes. question. And that can be a strength, of course, sort of thing. Yes. But certainly in the context of just enjoying and taking a step back and relaxing a little bit. You know, I had that experience in New York and it was, it was fantastic. So I'll, I'll be going back next year and be taking a group of people this time from Perth that hopefully and some of our swimmers to go and do this, have the same experience. You know, there's nothing better than doing a race which start, you can walk to the race, you don't have to drive anyway, walk to the race, 10.30 a.m., do your swim, finish by lunch, have a siesta, go out for evening drinks, a mojito or something like that. Happy yeah. days. Happy days, yeah, yeah. And it, it really did, and the community that I felt there, was it was just it was fantastic. So that, you know, very much what it's all about, right, you know? Awesome. So last question for you. Yeah. So summing up Paul's life and, and the development of Swim Smooth and all of that, um, what are Paul's little nuggets to life that you've learned that you'd like to share <laughs> for any of our listeners out there? Well, um... That's, that's not a, specifically to swimming. Just, oh. No, no, that's that's a really good point. Um, I am a huge, huge believer in hard work. Yeah. In that, I I would never classify myself as a as a talented swimmer. I was never the best swimmer out there. But I think some of the uh, achievements that I've been able to achieve, and they're not the greatest achievements in the world, but I'm achievements that I'm proud of. I've been born out of the fact that you know I've recognised what I need to do, and then worked 
really quite hard and I can get yeah. very, very focused on something. And yeah, sometimes that can be a good thing. Sometimes, you know, sometimes people can find me a bit too blinkered in, in that focus and stuff. But I think, I think hard work and perseverance certainly really trumps a lot. You know, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't still be doing what I'm doing with Swim Smooth 13 years in if I wasn't passionate and hard working yeah. and persevered with it and all those sort of things. So, you know, it's about finding that goal. I've got many friends in the UK who they're earning lots and lots and lots of money. They went to the same university that I did and stuff like that. But none of them ever particularly appear to be that happy with what yeah. they're actually doing. You know, they're not really passionate about what they do. And I've gone through a little bit of self-reflection recently with all this plagiarism stuff and, um, and other, other things that have been copied and stuff like that. And yeah, initially the response is one of anger of like, how dare they do this? How mm. dare they do that? And then somebody will say to me, you know, well, you've got to, you're obviously created something good here that people want to copy and people, you know, you're doing a good thing. People are validating you mm. by, by copying that. And then you think to yourself, well, you know, are they ripping me off? Is it, is it, is it that that I'm worried about? I'm, I'm worried about putting food on the table and yes. know, being able to being able to live the way I want to live. And and it's not that at all. It's just a, the, the biggest fear is not being able to to coach. Right. It's not. It's not being. You know, it's is for something happening, whereby that passion and that drive. You know, I've often said to people, oh, I'd love to be retired by the age of 45. I'm going to be a, a multimillionaire by the time I'm 45. I'm 38 now. And, um, and I, but now in reflection, I look back and I think I'd be absolutely miserable if I retired at 45 because yeah. I wouldn't, the thing that drives me and gets me up in the morning every day is, you know, getting down there to the pool and actually working with the, with the swimmers who I love working with and then coming home, tapping away on the computer, answering emails or forum questions from people who are interested in what we do. I want a little bit more of that content. I want to know what we what we do. So I'm not sure if that's a golden nugget as such, but um, definitely follow your passion. Yeah, definitely follow your ca- do follow your passion you and what makes you happy. You know, so focus, focus, hard, so work. hard work. You know, and I think I think those things are very very important. Um, my uh, very good friend uh, Chris last week he said this is the statement you need to print out and put up on your um, on your computer at the moment because he knew I was going through a bit of a hard time, and it was a, a piece of Latin. And it, I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce this correctly, but it's nil carb, carborodum illegitimae or something like that. Yeah. I'll have to find it out for you. But it, it basically means don't let the, and I'm not sure if you can let me swear here, <laughs> sort of thing, but don't let the buggers get you down, yeah. basically, you know. So, nil carborundum illegitimae. That's right. That's an A-level in Latin. Oh, is it? Oh, there we go. So I've got, yeah, so it's something I don't, that's obviously not one of my strengths. Don't but, let the illegitimate children. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Yeah, get you down or yes. bring you down. So, um, you know, I, th- I think, um, yeah, definitely be passionate about what you what you do. Find mm. what it is. And I was I was listening to a um, a podcast just yesterday about um, about entrepreneurs, and they were talking about how the most successful entrepreneurs in the world always tend to have what is often seen by the public as a sidekick. You know, so somebody yes. who uh, is there, like you have Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. Yeah. You know, both of them built that company. Yes. But Steve Jobs is the guy that everybody yeah, thinks uh, the of. Front. The front. The front man, if you like. Yeah. Now, I was super lucky. I mentioned my business partner, Adam. I was super lucky back in 2008 that I met this guy online. It was 2007, actually. Yeah. came over here in 2008. And we just clicked. 
Yeah. And I was listening to this podcast yesterday and he's talking about the, the pairings that you see in successful entrepreneurial businesses. And they have somebody who, uh, the, the classic entrepreneur is somebody who is very visionary. They have all these yes. ideas. And I have like a million, million different oh. ideas <laughs> yeah. buzzing around my head. I'm going to walk out this door right now. I've already got 20 things I'm thinking, oh, I just thought about that whilst we're doing this podcast. Fantastic. It's great. Yes. And I'd maybe go to the extent of writing it down, but I'd be very poor at actioning it. Yes. And so this podcast is all about you know the visionary side, but then the yin and the yang would be what they call the integrator. Yes, and that is what Adam Guys is goes makes it up. brilliant. It's just um, so without him, none of what I do with swim smooth. It would have fizzled out and done nothing. Mm. So without Adam on board, you know, finding that finding that match. So. Is that a little bit of advice and stuff like that? Internally frustrated coach. I would be internally frustrated. Yeah, totally right. Full full of ideas, working for somebody else. Working for somebody else, exactly right. But yeah, Adam came in there, made it uh, made it a reality, and and our partnership is just unbelievably rock solid, even to this day, sort of thing. You know, we we both serve our roles, and that's not to say that he doesn't have brilliant ideas as well. He's he's had some of the best ideas Mm. that we put out. Mr. Smooth, the animation was his idea. Yeah, Um, and you know, and I've been. I'll drive things and get things done. It's not like I'm just a procrastinator or anything like that. I will get things done as well. But um, we definitely have that sort of brilliant balanced yeah. relationship. And, um, you know, so if anybody's listening to this and thinking, okay, well, you know, I've got this idea, I want to get out there, yeah. try and find somebody who can, find can, a mate that can, make a mate can make it happen. Yeah, because that will really turn your business and or whatever it is that you're doing, it will really turn it around. And, you know, even in the context of swimming, it might just be trying to find a training partner Yes. Who gives you a call and says, hey, why are you not down at the pool? You know, we organized to be down here exactly. 30 minutes ago just to keep you sort of accountable for what you're doing. And, and you know, that, that journey then becomes a lot more um, a lot more exciting when you've got someone Indeed. to share it with. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Paul, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And I've been and had a couple of video one-to-ones and they've been a key part in, in my swimming journey. And I've, I've been a consumer of your, your blog posts and stuff like that. But to get to know you today and hear your passion, it's it's been fantastic to listen to. It's actually been fantastic to watch. Right. Okay. Your whole body language and your eyes and everything just spark up. So, yeah, it's living your passion. You actually embody that. Great. So, thank you very much, Paul. It's been an no absolute pleasure. Thanks for inviting me on, Brent. Cheers. Thank you. Bye.